Ask Me Another is back at the Bell House in Brooklyn. Join me, Ophira Eisenberg, Jonathan Colton, and our guests, the Milk Carton Kids on May 11th and Sutton Foster on May 18th. Tickets at amatickets.org. This is a rebroadcast of Ask Me Another. From NPR and WNYC, live from the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York, this is Ask Me Another. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, your host for this next hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. And you are going to love this week's very important puzzler, making his public radio debut. He is known as the Dark Prince of Comedy. Our VIP is Anthony Jesselnik. And now to kick things off, please say hello to someone else who knows no bounds, our one-man house band, Mr. Jonathan Colton. Hello, everybody. Let's say good day to our first two contestants. That's right, that's a little hint. Please welcome Laura Killeen and Lindsay Stevens. This game is called Good Day, Mate. Have you been to Australia, Lindsay? No, never. How about you, Laura? I haven't, but everyone thinks that I'm from there. Oh, yeah. With that wacky accent. Yeah. I would say 99% of Americans know that I'm Australian, but I'm not. They're, they're positive, and they tell you you yeah. are Australian. I've never been there. Okay, Nothing. and where, where are you from? I'm from London. Yeah, that's what they all say, by the way. <laughs> Lindsay, your hobby is playing the church organ? I do. How do you uh, get into that? At church. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just a natural progression? Uh, I thought it'd be a good summer job. Uh, pays more than minimum wage, so that's perfect. <laughs> You're like, I want to sit up there. <laughs> Maybe be like a crazy mastermind kind of Oh, I image. see. Yeah, that's yeah. a little... You got the whole God thing going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> got it. Okay. So in this first game, we're going to channel uh, your inner Australian. That's right. And in this game, every correct answer will be a word that ends in mate. And yes, you will answer in your best Australian accent. It's not even fair. Except for you, Laura, that will be easy because you are (laughs) from Australia. Yeah. I got this. Well played. Puzzle guru John Chinesky, how about an example of how this game works? For example, if I said, I'm renting a huge apartment or flat. Do you need a place to stay? Move on in. There's plenty of... You would complete that sentence by saying, room, mate. Oh. Yeah. I flat, mate. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay, and the winner of this game was going to move on to our final round at the end of the show. So here we go. All right, you beat me at chess again. I don't have any cash to pay or bet, though. I'll just have to give you a... Lindsay. Checkmate. Yeah! (laughs) Can you imagine how excruciating a chess gambling problem would be? (laughs) Just long, terrible... Hey there, what are you locked up for? Armed robbery? Grand Theft Auto? No problem, there's an open bed right here behind these bars. Come on. Laura. Cellmate. We'll take it. We'll take it. Come on, cellmate. Cellmate inmate would be fine. (laughs) Oh, that too. Yeah, all of them. It works, that was totally good. And you just say any words and we'll probably say that's that's right. Okay. Very easy. Sorry, bloke. How did I do with that, Laura? Awesome. Yeah, that was pretty good, right? (laughs) Sorry, bloke. I ran out of organic soy milk yesterday morning. Maybe you can flavor your decaf with this stuff. I know it's really sugary and all, but hey, it's just... Laura. Oh. (laughs) So your tactic is just to ring in. (laughs) Milkmate. That is incorrect. No, not milkmate. Lindsay. Coffee mate? Coffee mate is correct. Laura's like, I don't know what that is. Is that a cultural difference? We don't don't have that. Yeah. But that's okay. I mean, I'm here. That's okay. We have it at every church function, so. (laughs) (laughs) Darling, I could never find a more perfect person than you. You're my dream, my every desire. You've captured my... Laura. Soul, mate. That's right. That's correct. That gorilla is quite the math whiz. Look at all those numbers he's writing. Two, three, five, seven, eleven, thirteen, seventeen. Gosh, they're all... Laura. Primate. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I wish you had gone on longer with those numbers. (laughs) 
Just because I've posed naked in a men's magazine, that doesn't mean I'm dumb. I know lots of things. Like the movie A Streetcar Named Desire was originally a... Laura. Playmate. That's correct. Yeah. Now, which men's magazine would you be posing in, Jonathan Colton? Uh, Maxim. I would do Maxim. Maxim. <laughs> John Chinesky, puzzle guru, how did our contestants do? Our Aussie ace today is Laura. <laughs> Congratulations, Laura. Nice job, Laura. We will see you at our Ask Me One More Final Round. Our next two contestants are on stage right now. Let's say hello to Carmine Giovino and Annie Brogan. <laughs> Carmine Giovino is an amazing name, by the way. And you are a born and bred Brooklynite. I am. Park Slope. Park Slope. Uh, would you come down to this neighborhood where the bell house is in Gowanus? Only if I wanted to get robbed. Really? <laughs> Right, yeah. Right. Right. So all all your childhood, this was just terrible. Well, when I wanted to get robbed, well, I came well down and then right. and every <laughs> once other in a while. Than that, right. How often did you want to get robbed? Once a week. Once a- <laughs> just to get rid of some stuff. Right. I mean, nobody wants too much. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. No, you're not a hoarder. I like no, that no, about no, you. No, 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 no. Annie, you're visiting us from uh, Philadelphia. That's correct. Where yeah. you work in one of my favorite places, the Mütter Museum. Am yeah. I saying it right? You are. The, I'm so I'm so pleased. The Mütter Museum, yeah. which, if you don't know, is a museum of uh, medical oddities. Is that the best description? Yeah, pathological anomaly, weird stuff in jars, basically. Stuff in jars. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever carried around something a little too odd in your purse that you're like, hey, check out I've this? I've carried some of Einstein's brain in my purse, actually. Some of Einstein's brain, sure. You know, yeah. like, like you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did you uh, get that in your possession? I was tasked with couriering it to London, and where else are you going to carry it but in your purse? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is your favorite television show that has been canceled? Um, I don't know if it was canceled so much as just run its course, but it's um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. How about you, Carmine? What's your favorite television show that has been canceled? The Wire. The Wire. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And in this next game, we have invented some TV show spinoffs. We will pitch you the idea for the spinoff, and you will tell us the title. This will make sense in a moment. Puzzle guru John Chinesky, please give us an example. Sheriff Rick Grimes thought that zombies in America were tough. But now he's fighting meat puppets on a lake in the Middle East that's got so much salt in it, the zombies float. That would be a summary for The Walking Dead Sea. Great. So it's a bit of a mashup, a bit of a pun. Right. It will always start with the name of an actual television show with some extra stuff jammed onto the end. <laughs> Elegantly. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's okay. Do it. Down on their luck, the Dunphys and the Pritchetts go on a popular game show and suddenly find themselves undefeated champions. Will their hilarious answers to survey questions ever end? Annie. Modern Family Feud. You got it. In this prequel spinoff, we discover the real reason Walter White started his meth empire. Years of exposure to chemicals gave him chronic halitosis. Annie. Breaking bad breath? That's right. <laughs> sort of a limited idea for a series. But <laughs> I love it. It's like, who cares about your breath when you have meth teeth, I guess. They, uh... <laughs> your breath is sort of the least of your worries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To make up for a series finale that was hated by its fans, Ted Mosby and Robin begin telling the kids the story of how they purchased a liberal political magazine and launched a media empire. Annie. How I Met Your Mother Jones. Nice. People are impressed by that. (laughs) They're like, oh, that sounds like a show I would like. (laughs) Upon regenerating for the 12th time, our title character's TARDIS, that's a hint, is pulled to New York City, where he is challenged to answer increasingly difficult multiple-choice questions to win a life-changing amount of money. Oh, Carmine, you don't know? You're just giving it to Annie? (laughs) Carmine is like, go ahead, Annie. Uh, Doctor Who wants to be a millionaire? That's right. (laughs) 
This was my biggest fear. <laughs> Not just about this show in general. This was my biggest fear. <laughs> in, your, in your life. Yeah. When Peter Griffin leaves this animated show to pursue other opportunities, he is replaced by a British director whose ex-wife, Madonna, makes frequent appearances in cutaway gags. Yes! Carmine! <laughs> Great job, Carmine! I don't want to screw this up now. Family Guy Richie. That's right. Yeah. I'm on the board. That's Carmine, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <Yeah>. Buzzer number two. <laughs> to make peace with their human counterparts, the vampires of Bonton form a medical supply company and embark on a noble challenge to create a device that makes the most accurate systolic and diastolic measurements ever. Carmine. True blood drive? True blood machine? <laughs> no, those are both wrong. <laughs> Annie, do you have a guess? I do, and it's only because he said true blood, so thank you. You're welcome. Uh, do I get half a point? It's Story a, of your life, Carmine. Uh, true blood pressure gauge? Just true blood pressure would have done it. Oh, but. okay. Wait, wait, wait. It's where you go if you are feeling twilight headed. Huh. Uh, wow. Come on. Wow, that's pretty good. No. That's pretty good. All right, this is your last question. In the season finale, Frank Underwood attempts to undermine his opponent's chances at winning the presidency by filming him playing an offensive fill-in-the-blank party game with wealthy donors. Carmine. House of Cards Against Humanity? That's right. John Chinesky, how did our contestants do? Well, he made a big push at the end, but I'm afraid our winner today of spinoffs is Annie. Way to go, Annie. Congratulations, Annie. We will see you at the final round at the end of the show. Coming up, it's What You've Always Wanted, a game where contestants take a crack at the thong song. And I'll chat about comedy roasts and going on the road with comedian Anthony Jesselnick. So stick around. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is NPR's Ask Me Another. Just a quick shout out to one of our sponsors, Casper. They are an online retailer for mattresses, and Casper mattresses are American-made and obsessively engineered for comfort. They use two technologies, latex foam and memory foam, to give just the right amount of sink and bounce. And they have a risk-free trial. You can try out your Casper mattress for 100 days with free delivery and returns. It's outrageous comfort at a polite price. So go to casper.com slash another and check out all of their options. And they have a special offer for listeners of this podcast. Just use the promo code another to redeem $50 towards a Casper mattress that works for you. And if you're looking for a guide to what's good in pop culture every week, check out NPR's Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. Jesse interviews musicians, writers, filmmakers, comedians, and other artists about their creative work and their creative lives. So find out everything you need to know about your new favorite television show, book, movie, music, and gain new insights into the things you already love. Find Bullseye now at npr.org slash podcasts. You're listening to Ask Me Another from NPR and WNYC. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and with me is our one-man house band, Jonathan Colton, and our puzzle guru, John Chinesky. So this next game is called Thong Song Gone Wrong. And to play it, please welcome our contestants, Sid Watal and Lara Gallagher. Welcome to you both. Now, I don't know if you remember the thong song in your life. Oh, I do. You do? Oh, okay, do. good, Sid. Uh, I, I couldn't remember when it came out, but it was 2000. That was our millennium <laughs> touch point. Uh, do you remember where you were New Year's Eve when it, we became? I can almost guarantee I was in my parents' basement. Sid, you were in your parents' basement? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Do you know what you were doing in your parents' basement? Listening to the thong song. 
that is perfect for this game. Lara? I was visiting my older sister at college. And did you have a good time? Uh, I was, I brought a friend, I remember, and she had a really good time. <laughs> that sums up so many of my weekends, New Year's, birthdays. Other people seem to be enjoying themselves. Jonathan, how did you spend uh, New Year's Eve 1999, 2000? I, uh, I was in a bunker. I was there for 43 days uh, because of the Y2K bug. I just thought it was safest. <laughs> that, uh, that you were trying to release? Yeah. yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, Jonathan, what are we putting these poor contestants well, through? Well, it's going to be fun. For this game, we are setting all of our questions to the music from arguably the greatest song in history, <laughs> The Thong Song. And as you might imagine, all of the answers will rhyme with thong. And technically also song. <laughs> and I hope that you ring in quickly with the right answers because I want to get this over with as fast as possible. <laughs> 72, things got real hot when Atari put gamers on the spot playing tennis just by turning a knob to the game screen said game over. Rhymes with thong. Atari. Uh, Sid. Pong? Pong is correct. Okay, okay. okay. Did you ever play that in your parents' basement? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Strangely, Pong unaffected by the Y2K bug. <laughs> yeah, it was fine. It's because there were better graphics on your microwave. <laughs> <laughs> Southern California comedy was the ride. Dave's not here, man. Don't come inside. Can't you squares? Just take a joke. Is your love of this duo up in smoke? Sid. Cheech and Chong? You got it. He wrote a little red book, book, book. China's like what, what, what? Kicked imperialist butt, butt, butt. I think he was a chairman. Sid? Mao Zedong. Yeah. Sid, what color was his thong? Obviously red. Yeah, exactly. Isn't it fun just thinking about that? <laughs> I'm not having a lot of fun thinking about it. <laughs> this guy said I'm a Mac, Mac, Mac. Hodgman's like what, what, what? Apple sales were strong. This actor's name is... Lara. Justin Long. Justin Long. That's right. This ditty hit big across the land From Rivers Cuomo's alternative band But the title doesn't make it sound so fun Even wizard mets, they've come undone Lara? Sweater song? Yeah <laughs> You sound so sad, Lara It is a sad song Yeah, I don't know where I went Yeah Back to, two <laughs> Back to 2000 you know? Yeah, I, I'm looking at you and I'm like, I feel like I am just part of Lara's dream right now. Yeah. <laughs> like you dreamt this show. There's a lot and there. And it's weirder you know? than I think both of us thought the dream would be, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a syllable with two vowel sounds. Move your lips and tongues and say round, round. If you don't know, you're about to learn. Can you name this grammatical term? Sid? Diphthong? Diphthong, thong, 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 that's right. I've never really thought about how sexy that grammatical <laughs> term is till now. This is an earlier draft. <laughs> All right, this is your last clue. Won the Tour de France. France, France was performance enhanced. Enhanced, enhanced. Steroids are wrong. The cyclist's name is... Sid? Lance Armstrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sid, could, he could have sung that, you know. Sid could have sung that. <laughs> it's begging. It's, <laughs> it's like this let baby's me Lance see Armstrong. Lance Armstrong. Yeah. <laughs> John Chinesky, how'd, how'd we do in this game? Well, the thong song gone wrong went oh so right for Sid. Way to go, Sid. 
Nice job, Sid. You're moving on to our Ask Me One More final round coming at the end of the show. Our next contestant is on the line. Hi, you're on Ask Me Another. Hi, this is Jenny Jockman in Orlando, Florida. Hello, Jenny from Orlando. How's Orlando today? Hot. 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 Is that what you say every day when someone says that oh, to you? Yeah. Speaking of hot, you work in a crime lab. That is pretty sexy. Is it as sexy as uh, I see it on CSI? You know, I, I wish it was. <laughs> I don't know about anybody else, but I like, I like spouting off witty one-liners. What, what made you get into forensic science? Um, I watched a lot of Blue's Clues when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and what are you actually doing in the crime lab? Are you, like, looking at things through microscopes? Are there, like, you uh, know, several... That, actually. A looking lot of that? things through microscopes. Yeah, are there any, like, limbs hanging around? No, 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 no. <laughs> no limbs. So I assume that you learn a lot of chemistry, though, when you take forensic science or watch Blue's Clues. Is that right? Yes. Good. Yes, that's true. Great, because this game is called It's Elementary. That doesn't mean it's easy. This game features questions in which each answer incorporates an element from the periodic table. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it is made for you. So we're going to give you a clue to the element and then a more helpful clue to the full answer. Uh, for example, you'll find a noble gas used in advertising signs in an adjective that describes a newborn's first month of life. And the answer is neonatal. And neon is within neonatal. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you seem fine, audience scared. <laughs> You'll find a lustrous silvery white metal inside a cable network for children. Nickelodeon. Exactly. <laughs> You'll find this metallic element that gives Mars its red color in an Alanis Morissette song of dubious correctness. That would be ironic? Yeah, exactly. The, the true, uh, the song's about iron. You'll find a malleable metal with the chemical symbol SN inside a famous Hollywood German Shepherd. Um, would that be... Wait a second. Okay. Tin something. Written Tin Tin? Yeah, Is he a German Shepherd? Tin, yeah. I thought it was like a mongoose or something. That's a double. You get a double for that. <laughs> Did you say you thought that was a mongoose or something? Oh, that's Ricky Ticky Tavi. <laughs> oh, okay. I got them confused. I'm sorry. Not on the periodic table. <laughs> Ricky? Ricky's Yet. not an element? Ricky. <laughs> element number 72. Ricky. Ricky. It was just this guy. This is your last question. You'll find the foundation of all organic compounds in a pasta dish made with eggs, cheese, and bacon. That would be carbonara. Carbonara, exactly. <laughs> Jenny, this was too easy for you. Or maybe it was just the perfect puzzle. It doesn't matter. You won, because you got every single question right. And we're going to send out a special Ask Me Another prize all the way to Orlando, just for you. Awesome, thank you. Thanks so much for playing. How hard is it to get on Ask Me Another? It's elementary, my dear Watson. And we are looking for some worthy contestants, both on the phone and right here on stage. So if you have what it takes, prove it. Take our contestant quiz. Just send us an email at askmeanother at npr.org. Iron is a metal. You see it every day. Oxygen eventually will make it rust away. Carbon in its ordinary form is coal. Crush it together and diamonds are born. Come on, come on and meet the elements. May I introduce you to our friends, the elements. Like a box of paints that are mixed to make every shade They either combine to make a chemical compound or stand alone as they are Combine to make a chemical compound or stand alone as they are Jonathan Colton 
All right, let's meet our next two contestants, James Simmons and John Weicker. Somehow, that is, your names are made for a game show. I said them more game showy than of uh, any other names. James, you are visiting from Indiana? Yep. Thanks for coming all the way to New York. First time here? Really? Yep. First. Whoa, Never made yeah. it farther north than Baltimore before. Really? And so what have you done while you're here? Went to see Rock of Ages on Broadway and then yeah. pouted for a while because I can't ride the cyclone. Uh, why can't you ride the cyclone? They're not open on weekdays yet. Oh, well, I know a guy. <laughs> make that happen. Nothing's really closed here. You just graduated from college, so is this your sort of have some fun time? This is my parents' last hurrah with me in tow listening to their snoring time. Oh, nice. Okay, so you're traveling together. Yep, they're hiding over there somewhere. Okay, very good. Uh, what kind of degree did you get? Um, social studies education. Teach mm, yeah. history, geography, government, all that fun stuff. All right. The stuff that really matters. Sure. That, no, that's good. I like that you laid out the plan so your parents feel good in this moment. <laughs> but that, that sounds great. John, welcome. You are also visiting us from uh, Media, Pennsylvania. Yeah, right outside Philly. Right outside Philly. Mm -hmm. And you are a Presbyterian minister. I am. I am. So that organ playing, we'll, yeah. we'll get together later. Yeah. Yeah. Are you looking for an uh, organ player in wherever? N not if our organist is listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Maybe. Uh, and you love trivia, which is a nice combination. Yeah. Were you ever on a trivia team? I was. We had a uh, Monday night trivia team, and it was all clergy, because when you're clergy, <laughs> that's who you get to hang out with. Yeah. You opt out of the rest of culture, and you just get other ministers as your friends. How were you guys? Were you good? We were consistently fifth. <laughs> yeah, and prizes stopped at fourth, so we were consistently right behind. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, so you, it was very humbling, yet, yeah. Uh, yeah. Good, all right. Well, now you're on your own playing trivia, so we'll see how it goes. This game is called Scrabble City. Let me just see what happens. You said no, John, to that? You did not like that at all? Well, I, I heard the geography teacher next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that's I, true. I, I can write a quick lesson plan for you if you'd like. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. He might help you. This is very nice. This game is called Scrabble City, and in this round, we'll give you clues about cities that would have pretty sweet Scrabble scores if they were allowed, of course, since proper names are not allowed according to the standard Scrabble rules. So all you have to do is identify the city. Sounds easy. Puzzle guru John Chinesky. If we said, for 19 points, it's the capital of Arizona, you'd say Phoenix. Now, bear in mind, these are the minimum scores. We're not using any double or triple word scores. But what if I want the extra points? <laughs> you just give them to yourself, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. And these are going to be about both U.S. and world cities, so think globally and I, I guess also technically act globally. <laughs> if you need a hint, John Chinesky will give you some key letters to help out. Mm -hmm. Located near the Columbia and Snake Rivers, this 16-point Washington town might make you holla holla if you like water sports, John. Walla Walla. Yes. Yeah. I can't believe I had to say those words. <laughs> According to Urban Dictionary, this 16-point city has a reputation for being so hard to reach, so much so that despite being in West Africa, it has become a stand-in for any extremely distant and inaccessible location. James. Timbuktu. Yeah, Timbuktu. Regionally, everyone has a Timbuktu because my mother is Dutch and she used to say, it's as far as Eggvelt. Uh, and I didn't know what that was. Eggvelt. Yeah, so uh. I would say that to my friends and they would go, what's wrong with you? Nobody yeah, goes to Eggvelt. <laughs> Unfortunately for Scrabble players, this state capital was given its current two-word name instead of the proposed 18-point name, Missouriopolis. James. Jefferson City. That's right. James, are you one of those guys who has all the state capitals memorized? Is that you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't ask me to draw a map freehand. It doesn't work. Okay. I love that that's where it falls apart for you. <laughs> this 11-point place isn't so much a city as it is a beachfront neighborhood in Rio de Janeiro and a great place for ladies in Bossa Nova songs to be from. John. This is wrong, but Brasilia? That is wrong. Okay, good. 
but a good guess. I got something right, so that's good. <laughs> you were right, you're wrong. James? Is it Copacabana? It is not Copacabana. Well, I got to no, enjoy could, the Barry Manilow still, song in my head either we way. Could still, we could still salvage this. John, can you describe the lady from this place? Sure. Uh, tall and tan and young. Oh, Ipanema. Yes. yes. Just hearing it makes me feel like I'm in an elevator. Right. <laughs> According to legend, this city's 24-point name comes from a Native American phrase that's translated as stone seen in the water whose reflection looked like otters. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have more. <laughs> There's no way you would know the answer to that. And Glenn Miller has a gal in this Michigan city. John. Kalamazoo. Oh, yeah. You got it. All right. This is your last clue. Located along the Rio Grande, this 31-point whopper of a New Mexico city is where Bugs Bunny once remarked that he should have taken a left turn. John. Albuquerque. That's right. John Chinesky, how did our contestants do? It was a very close game, but the bingo in Scrabble Cities goes to John. Way to go, John. Nice job, both of you. John, congratulations. We'll see you at the... Ask me one more final round at the end of the show. Dig, man. There goes Mac the Knife. Coming up, we'll find out why our VIP, Anthony Jeselnik, wants to be quizzed about the deadliest predator in the water. Stay tuned. This is Ask Me Another from NPR. All the shark has... Support for Ask Me Another comes from Sotheby's Institute of Art, the Graduate School of Art and its Markets. Sotheby's Institute's mission, since its founding in 1969, has been to educate the next wave of art professionals and examine the world of art, ideas, and commerce, and how that all comes together. Graduates go on to work in galleries, museums, auction houses, and more. You can apply for one of six Sotheby's Institute master's degrees like art business or one of dozens of short courses like a summer course on contemporary art. Campuses in New York, London, L.A., and online. Sotheby'sInstitute.com And thanks so much to TastingRoom.com for supporting Ask Me Another. They want you to know about their wine club. Here's how it works. Tasting Room sends you a kit with sample size bottles of wine. Now you sip each one, log on to their site, and tell them which wines you liked. Then the Tasting Room picks wines for you based on your tastes. You get your first full case one month later, and the shipments come every three months from when you started. So visit tastingroom.com slash NPR for the wine club, where your taste is the only one that matters. And just a reminder, if you're looking for a guide to what's good in pop culture every week, Check out NPR's Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. Jesse interviews musicians, writers, filmmakers, comedians, and other artists about their creative work and their creative lives. So find out everything you need to know about your new favorite television show, book, movie, music, and gain new insights into the things you already love. Find Bullseye now at npr.org slash podcasts. Welcome back to Ask Me Another, NPR and WNYC's hour of trivia, puzzles, and word games. I'm Ophira Eisberg, and you might recognize our very important puzzler from his many Comedy Central roasts, from his former show, The Jesselnick Offensive, or from listening to his top-rated comedy albums. Please welcome my very good friend, Anthony Jesselnick. <laughs> Is this your first time ever being asked to do a public radio show? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> last and only. In fact, I asked them when I got here, I said, are you guys nervous to have me on NPR? And they said, no, but if Ophira hadn't vouched for you, we would never have you on. <laughs> that makes me so happy. You have no idea. I'm glad one of us is happy. Uh, <laughs> So let's talk about, for any of our listeners that are not familiar with your comedy... If there is an NPR listener not familiar with my comedy, sure. Yeah. We'll help them out. Yeah. 
by, I would, uh, let's see, I would describe your style as uh, highly intelligent, shocking one-liners. You make fun of tough stuff, um, whether it's death or illness or societal taboos or... Yeah, anything you think there shouldn't be a joke made about, I've got two of those. <laughs> yeah. But your uh, onstage persona is pretty different from your offstage persona. Oh, sure. When I first met Anthony, we were doing a show together, and I was terrified to meet really? him because I just assumed that you could rip me apart so easily for fun. Physically, yeah. <laughs> Physically. <laughs> and then I met you backstage, and you were this super great guy. But do you get that all the time, that people are terrified of you? Yeah, people are very scared of me because they've seen the, the stage persona, and then when they meet me, they're kind of taken off guard. Like, and I like that. I want you to be scared so that I can kind of seem charming when I'm not. <laughs> people will be like, oh, you're so nice. I'm like, I'm not that nice. You just think I'm going to be really, really mean. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so your onstage persona... Being the, I love the Dark Prince of Comedy. That is one of my favorite uh, little monikers of yours. But you, that wasn't day one for you. You developed this character. Sure. You kind of, you know, as a comedian, you, you start and you start trying things. And the audience tells you what your next step is going to be. You know what I mean? You come up and you, you try, maybe I try to be super energetic and the crowd laughs. So I keep following that. But for me, it was like the cockier I got and the darker I got and the meaner I got, the more the crowd followed that. So I thought, okay. This is going to be a lot of fun. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember a joke or a moment where you really harnessed? That? Oh yeah, I had this joke I thought of. And my, my my idol in comedy was this guy named Jack Handy, who was uh, the guy who wrote Deep Thoughts for Saturday Night Live. I love those because you could, you were always like, how did he think of the punchline? Like, how did he come to this? How did he make up this joke? And I would write my own versions of those, and they were all kind of silly. And then one time I came up with a really dark one where I said, uh, my girlfriend loves to eat chocolate. She's always eating chocolate, and she likes to joke she's got a chocolate addiction. You know, she'd be like, keep away from those chocolate bars, I'm addicted to them, and it's really annoying. So one day, I put her in the car, and I drove her downtown, and I pointed out a crack addict. And I said, you see that, honey? Why can't you be that skinny? <laughs> and... I told that joke at an open mic, and when comedians hear a funny joke, they don't laugh, they go, ooh. That's right. Which is code for like, I wish I thought of that. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, I'm on to something. And then I just, I just chased that forever. And I know from uh, watching a lot on stage that you are telling jokes, and sometimes half of the crowd is going, there's half laughter and half, oh, happening at the same time. You're almost pushing them away to get them to come closer. Exactly. I'm daring you to laugh. Like, it's the, that's the best. If half the crowd hates me and half the crowd loves it, I'm in heaven. Right. When they all love it, it's a little weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's like if you make, like, a... If you do like a Hitler impression and everyone's like, yeah, <laughs> like, oh no, that was not my intent. Uh, so is there any topic that you consider off limits? No. And if I did, if something made me uncomfortable, I would take it as a challenge, as a personal challenge to uh, try to find a way to make a joke about that. You know, it's just, that's my only goal is to find things that you shouldn't joke about and find a way to make a joke. So this is why you uh, clearly were such a great choice for the roasts. Uh, sure. And you, you, first, you wrote on your first one, which was David Hasselhoff. Is that yes, correct? Yes, I wrote for David Hasselhoff. Yeah. And then the next one you performed on, and that was the Donald Trump roast. Yes. And, oh, you've, uh, you've heard of him. Yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, some people knew who you were, but you were pretty new to the huge viewing audience. And you went up there and you really roasted people in a way that uh, was, I think, kind of missing from the roasts for a, a while. A little bit. I kind of, and I'll give her credit, I kind of took the Whitney Cummings model. And I was like, just go up there and try to cut everyone's head off. Like, it doesn't matter who they are, just go and try to destroy them. And that was, that was me. People would watch me walk up on stage and be like, who is this pretty little dork? What is he, what is he gonna do? And then I just, I, I crushed everyone. Yeah. <laughs> So after the Trump roast, the next day, did your life change? Uh, completely. Really? Oh, completely. It was a completely different. Everyone was like, oh my God, you're that guy. That was amazing. And I changed because it was like you had your moment. I was like, if I, if I do badly on this, 
It's everything I've been, everything my life has been leading up to has been for nothing. Hmm. Because I was, uh, this is my opportunity. And if it goes well, then I know that I've been on the right path and things are going to continue to go well. So when I did well, people thought like, oh, you're going to get so cocky when the roast is over. Because I was cocky before. <laughs> But after the roast, I kind of calmed down because I didn't have to, I didn't have to be cocky. Everyone knew. <laughs> so the image on your uh, most recent comedy album, Caligula, is of a huge shark. Caligula, a giant shark coming out of the water, a giant great white shark. And when we said to you, as we do to our VIPs, they go, hey, you know, we're going to write a quiz for you, anything you like. And you said, sharks. Yeah, you, you sound more confident than I sound. <laughs> you were like, what do you know? What do you know, like, everything about? And I was like, well, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Like, even if you were like, what, questions about your family? I'd be like, I'm screwed. <laughs> right. But what do I like a lot? Sharks. All right, I know you can handle this, but I'm going to ask you anyways. Would you like to play and ask me another challenge? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, what if I said, hey, guess what? It's time for your Ask Me Another Challenge. Then I'd say, I knew. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Anthony Jeselnik, everybody. <laughs> All right, so you asked for a game about sharks, and we have written you a game about sharks, but it's not a scientific quiz. It is a quiz about sharks in popular culture. So our house musician, Jonathan Colton, and our puzzle guru, John Chinesky, will be helping us out with this game. Okay, here we go. The most famous shark in pop culture is, of course, the shark in Jaws. Director Steven Spielberg nicknamed the mechanical shark Bruce after someone he knew. Was it A, his barber, B, his lawyer, or C, his therapist? I'm going to say B, lawyer. I would say you are correct, of course. Boom. His lawyer, Bruce Raymer. Yeah, who should, I mean, uh, he should put that on his business card if he was like, inspired Jaws. I don't want to get too cocky, but I already have. <laughs> because you got that right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, good. One of the most surprising on-screen shark attacks is in a 1999 movie starring Samuel L. Jackson. Jackson is delivering an inspirational speech about how the team has to pull together to defeat the genetically enhanced superintelligent sharks that are attacking them. Then out of nowhere, he gets chomped in half. What is the name of that film? Um, I'm so happy you asked me that question. Uh, Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. The name of that movie. That's great right. one. You a fan of the movie? I am a fan of the movie. Uh, there's some great deaths in there. I will say that when Samuel L. Jackson is giving that speech, I knew he was about to get eaten by a shark. You did. You, ha- you I saw did. it coming. I did. Yeah. I'm not lying. I seriously, I was like, he's going on too long. He's about to get eaten. There's something going on. Do you know this? In the third Austin Powers movie, Dr. Evil's son Scott finally gives him the gift he always wanted. Sharks with what attached to their heads? Okay, I've never seen the third one because I'm a comedy fan. (laughs) (laughs) But... Lasers. Uh, More specific, please. Frickin' lasers. That's it! Ballsy move asked me to get more specific. That could have gone wrong for you. <laughs> I could have flipped out. I had faith. In the movie Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, sure. starring Lorenzo Lamas and Debbie Gibson, sorry, Deborah Gibson, this is when she got serious. A giant shark leaps out of the water and takes down an airplane. The shark, which has been thawed out from a glacier, is supposedly a member of what shark species that lived millions of years ago? Oh, I wish this was multiple choice because I can see the... It's like a mega... I can see the name. Mega... Chronodon? So I couldn't... Means big tooth? That's not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> mega Chronodon? I think that's what I said, yeah. Yeah, all right. Mega... That's actually a giant watch. (laughs) (laughs) The chronodon. Prehistoric giant watch. I'm not going to answer it incorrectly. I'm going to pass. All right. I'm sure the people here would like their voices heard. Anyone out there? Megalodon. Megalodon, yes. So close. Son of a... (laughs) 
Puzzle guru John Chinesky, how did our VIP do it as game? He got a majority of the answers correct. So thanks to Anthony, Stephen Fernandez from Charleston, West Virginia, wins an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube and a copy of Anthony's comedy DVD, Caligula. Thank you so much. Huge hand for Anthony Jeselnik, everybody. Oh, the shark babe has such teeth, dear, and he shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has old McKeith, babe, and he keeps it out of sight. When that shark bites with his teeth, babe, scarlet billows. Start to spread Fancy gloves though Where's old McHeath bed So there's never Never a trace of red Suki Tawdry Oh Jenny Diver Polly Peachum And Lucy Brown Oh that line forms On the right bed now that Maggie's, now that Maggie's back in town. Jonathan Colton. Now we're going to crown this week's grand champion. Let's bring back from Good Day Mate, Laura Killeen. From spin-offs, Annie Brogan. From Thong Song Gone Wrong, Sig Watal. From Scrabble City, John Wyker. To play our Ask Me One More final round, and our puzzle guru, John Chinesky, will take us out. This final round is called The Loneliest Number, which, according to the band Three Dog Night, is the number one. And like the word loneliest, every answer is going to be a word, phrase, or proper noun that has the letters O-N-E in consecutive order. And we're playing this spelling bee style, so one wrong answer and you're out. You'll only have a few seconds to give us an answer. Last person standing is our Ask Me Another grand winner. Here we go. Laura. The rank claimed by KFC founder Harlan Sanders. Colonel. Colonel is correct. (laughs) Annie. This adjective describes the tunes of Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. Oh. Oh, Looney. Looney is right. (laughs) Sid, the man behind Rocky and Rambo. Sylvester Stallone. Yes, correct. John, the neighbors you try to keep up with. The Joneses. Joneses is right. Laura, this character is the secretary to James Bond's boss, known as M. Ms. Moneypenny. Moneypenny, yes. Annie, someone who is not of royal blood, like Kate Middleton. Commoner? Commoner is right. Sid, in basketball, a type of defense that's not man-to-man. Zone. Yes. John, this medical professional determines the cause of death. Coroner. That's correct. Laura, in The Sound of Music, Captain Von Trapp's would-be fiancé held this title. Governess. No, that's wrong, no, that's wrong, that's sorry. wrong. No, I'm sorry. Well, let's <laughs> see. Let's see if Annie knows the answer. I have no idea. Okay, Annie, you have to step aside. We'll see if Sid knows the answer. Baroness? Baroness is correct. We have to say goodbye to both Laura and Annie. Thank you, ladies. And now we're down to two. It's down to John and Sid. John, a person who hunts with certain trained birds of prey. Falconer. Falconer is correct. (laughs) Sid, Bing Crosby is often described as this type of singer. Crooner? Yes. John, what Gerald Ford did to Nixon after he became president. Pardoned. Pardoned is correct. Sid, the nickname of child beauty pageant contestant and TV reality star Alana Thompson. 
Three seconds. Let's see if John knows it. Honey Boo Boo. Honey Boo Boo is correct, child. And John, you are our winner. Thank you, Sid. Nice going, John. Congratulations, John. You're our Ask Me Another Big winner. And lucky you, we have a great prize provided to you by our VIP, Anthony Jeselnik. Not only will you get his recent comedy DVD, Caligula, but he has agreed to provide you a few tips for the next time you are asked to roast someone. Five rules for roasting by Anthony Jeselnik. Number one, don't get too drunk. Number two, don't stay too sober. Number three, it is better to break rule number one than it is to break rule number two. (laughs) My last one, Arby, the other ones are for you. Never actually agree to take part in a roast. They're awful. They're awful. That is our show. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to be a contestant on our show, just find us on Facebook or Twitter. Just look around for NPR Ask Me Another. And you can be a puzzle player anytime, anyplace by downloading our podcast from iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is John Chinesky. Hey, my name anagrams to Oh Heck Ninjas. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Now Jolta Cannon. Our puzzle editor is Art Chung with additional puzzle writing by Kyle Beakley, Josiah Madigan, Greg Volk, and senior puzzle writer Dan Schofield. Ask Me Another is produced by Jesse Baker, Josh Rogeson, John Asante, Eleanor Kagan, and Annabelle Bacon, along with Portia Robertson-Migas and Eric Newsom. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore, Kristen Moeller, and David Hurtkin. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, The Bell House. Hot Heel Blues. And our production partner, WNYC. I'm Herite Begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. On the next Ask Me Another, the creator of Mad Men talks about the end of his epic series, which brings up some complicated feelings. I don't know where to begin. With you or without you, I'm moving on. I think I've reached a point where it's time for me to have a new experience. Join me, Ophira Eisenberg, along with Matthew Weiner, on NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia. 